Introducing the online MBA from Tulane University's Freeman School of Business. This fully accredited program is currently offering a 17% scholarship for online MBA students. Apply today. Classes begin August 21st, 2023. Learn about the curriculum and career outcomes at freemanonlinemba.com. That's freemanonlinemba.com. I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Okay. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, the managing editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine. And today, uh, this being Pride Month, um, we are excited. We just had our big Pride Parade in the city. Um, and we're going to talk about the financial um, issues that LGBTQ plus community can face. And for that, I've got a special guest on today. Her name is Becky Gustafson. I'm going to say that wrong. Is it Gustav Gustafsson? You had it pretty good. It's Gustafsson, yes. Gustafsson. All right. All right. I say everything weird. Um, she is a financial advisor with Gustafsson Wealth Management, which is right here in Metairie. So welcome, Becky. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit first about, about your company. So what, what kind of company, what kind of clients do you guys deal with and what do you do for them? So with Gustafson Wealth Management, we are a small boutique fee-based financial advising team partnered or with Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company. We help primarily business owners a lot with understanding their wealth, creating wealth alignment, really looking at exit and pre-exit strategies for their planning and generational wealth creation and wealth transfer. Okay. All right. So um what do you do within the LGBTQ? Do, do you help people within that community? And, and what are some of the financial considerations that are unique for, for that group of our population? So my team and I work with a lot of people within the LGBTQ plus community, even a member of our team is part of that community. So we're very passionate about making sure that there's a very safe space for people who are LGBTQ plus to go to when it comes to financial advice and that they just have a place and that they're comfortable to talk about their planning, to talk about finances, to talk about who they are and what they want. So what are some of the issues that come up? Um, how, how is that community different in, in that it has some unique um, needs? So two main areas for the lgbtq plus community when it comes to financial planning or just planning in general or one going to be estate planning and secondly family planning a lot of people hear estate planning and they think oh i'm not uber wealthy i don't need that there's a difference between estate planning and estate tax planning estate tax planning is when it does get to all of those unique tax strategies estate planning is something that everybody needs this is the planning where you're able to say and write out and have legal documents that back the understanding of if something happens to me, 
this is who my family is. This is who my money goes to. This is what I want to see happen to me if I'm in the hospital. This is who I'm putting in charge of these finances. This person is my family. They are my spouse. I have these documents that back it. If I pass away, this is my family. This who this is who I want to have this money. And having that from an estate planning perspective, having the correct legal documents, insurance documents properly assigned is incredibly crucial for the LGBTQ plus community to have all of that laid out. The other area is family planning. Having kids in general is expensive for anybody. Right. With the education, if even if you have stellar health insurance, it's still expensive. But for the LGBTQ plus community, their means for growing a family are gonna be more costly. And there needs to be planning around that because that may impact other areas of planning. And it's about making those choices and understanding the cost and understanding the processes. That could be for looking at for adoption, for any form of assisted reproductive technology. This could range from like thirteen dollars to $45,000 worth of expenses. And for some of these IVF instances, this could be one time could be $20,000 and it costs multiple instances of just understanding what could this look like from a financial perspective? How does this impact a financial plan? And working with somebody that can understand that to help to say, you know, that's okay. It's okay to have that. It's okay to have that cost built in, but what can this look like? How do you save for this? How, where else would this money go to or not go to? And what's your limits on what you're willing to, to contribute to this? Okay. And so is there also, is there a pay gap that you see in that community? According to the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, the LGBTQ plus workers earn about 90 cents for every dollar that non-LGBTQ plus counterparts make in the U.S. So it's a 10% pay gap right off the bat. That, that's, that's significant when you're looking at the need to save and to budget and to try to find unique ways to create financial health around that. You have to, you don't have to work with, but it, it's highly advantageous to work with a planner that's going to help you to understand how to budget, how to put your money in the right places by creating that financial alignment of knowing when money comes in. Typical kind of rule of thumb I take a lot of my clients through is a 50, 30, 20 rule, which for cash flow, 50% of what you have coming in goes towards all necessary lifestyle expenses. 30% goes towards saving, investing in debt that you're paying off, like typically like a student loan or a credit card that you know you're never going to use again. And then 20% is discretionary. So understanding what this cash flow is, more importantly, understanding the importance of what's important to you as a person, what your values are as a person, and how does this align to your spending, your saving, your investing. Um, secondly, understanding your debt ratio, and this is the amount of debt you have per the amount that you have to spend every single month. If this amount's really, really high, that causes a lot of stress, causes people to not want to look at planning. This ratio can be increased more when you're earning 10% less. So how do you get around that? How do we start to eliminate that debt so that you have more to spend towards what you want, towards what's important to you as a person? Other is looking at your liquidity. How much do you have saved? What's that gonna be? Taking into account 
taxation. If you're really, really smart working with a good CPA and a really good financial planner, you're able to understand the impact of taxes on your current and your future financial plan, and that can start to fill that gap of that 10%. And then also creating a very smart investing strategy for where does money need to go? Where do you need to save it? Where do you need to invest it? So not just the strategy for ongoing from a contribution basis, but being mindful about what is this going to look like from a distribution basis? What would the impacts of taxes be? What's how can, easily can I get to this money? Will there be limits on it? And then finally making sure, and this really is at the start of a plan, but making sure you have a very solid risk management plan that you know that you're going to have that peace of mind, that if anything negative happens in the event of a big emergency, a death, a disability, something extreme that you have plans in place from an amount of a cash basis, from an insurance basis, and then from a legal basis that you do have proper documents in place. You worked with an attorney to put proper documents in place to be able to protect against the, any form of risk that you're going to have an ease of an ability to go into if your partner's in a hospital to be able to say, I have a power of attorney. I am this person's, I have medical directive. I can make these decisions on their behalf because we don't yet live in a world of complete equality where I know if I go with my husband, even though we have even though we do have different last names, it may be a lot easier for me as opposed to a same-sex couple couple going in and one partner not being responsive because they're in the hospital, the other partner trying to make decisions and argue, and they might not be able to get the same traction that I would be able to, which is unfortunate, but you can start to at least create equity by using what we all have available to us, which is the ability to meet with an attorney, draw up the proper documents, and being conscientious to have copies of those with you. So if something does happen, you can make sure to say, hey, I have proof. I am this person. I play this role. This is my partner. This, and just to be able to do what you should be able to do. So is there in this current political climate and all of these bills that we're seeing and stuff too, when you're talking to clients, is there more nervousness around making these kinds of plans and, and just really trying to solidify things? Um, I think that's really, really interesting that to talk about that because I have heard more of a heightened awareness of the desire to look at things and to button things up. Of course, when same-sex marriage became legal in 2015, there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of, okay, we don't have to press so hard to prove that you're each other's spouses in the event of a death we, or each other's partners in the event of a death. We have an actual marriage document. Now we have this, this piece of paper that is incredibly important and incredibly crucial, but in the light of a lot of things that are happening, there is a fear that what if that does go away and what impact would that have? And a lot of that does rely on being very, very smart about working with a very good attorney to be able to create these documents that can show that proof of relationship, the proof of the role that you play in someone's world. And I think that's important regardless of where you fall, but it tends to be much more important in the LGBTQ plus community, especially if you live in parts of the nation that have a little bit more of an antiquated perspective. So do you guys help with the legal side of things too, or do you work with people that 
like when someone comes in to work with you, is there someone that it's like, okay, well, we'll handle this part and then we'll, you know, put the legal stuff onto this part, you know, like, how do you, how do you guys do this? So in, for my practice, we are financial planning. We're dealing with the money sense of the world, the planning sense of the world. We take a large amount of focus with our clients early on in building the relationship by understanding their values, their vision, and the clarity for everything that they hold near and dear to them and what they want to see happen with that. I am a huge proponent in building teams around my clients and operating as a facilitator of those teams. In my practice, I do not have an attorney. I do not have a CPA. I am not those people, but we partner with our clients who to either help them to build that team or to work with their current team of other advisors to make sure that the entire plan that they're working on works together and communication is being had by all. I have seen a lot of plans that tend to unravel or not go very well because when someone's talking to their CPA, they kind of have one mindset. When they're talking to an attorney, they have a different mindset. When they're talking to me, it's a different perspective altogether. So a lot of things unintentionally get lost in translation because they have this just interesting bias, which I'm talking to this person, this has to be this. So if we can bring the whole team together to make sure that the plan that they have is cohesive to where what they're telling me, what they really want, what's very, very important to them. When they're meeting with the attorney that those other things that they may miss are also protected, are also taken into account, especially when there's children involved. How do they really wanna plan for the succession of the children? Who do they really want to take care of the children if something happens to them? Who would those guardians be? What would any form of trust or testamentary trust look like? What are the stipulations in the will for how wealth is passed on? Tulane University's Freeman School of Business is proud to introduce an online MBA designed for working professionals. This convenient program is taught by award-winning faculty and features a customizable, career-focused curriculum with in-demand concentrations like business analytics, finance, and marketing. And you can count on building a strong professional network regardless of your location. Take the next steps toward advancing your career. Learn more at freemanonlinemba.com. That's freemanonlinemba.com. Um, so what about investment? So I know when people look to do investing, um, they're looking not only financially, but they're looking at how can I put my money into something that I, I, feel, I can feel good about. Um, is that something that you guys help with? as well like i know there's there's certain places there's um some that'll just focus on you know more female oriented um companies or more environmental organ you know companies or um is is that something that you can help them align their values with their investments yes and i am a firm believer in that i think where we put our money is a true testament of our values it's really in general, the two ways that are the two things that articulate what our values are is how we spend our time and how we spend our money. So if we can have more control over what our money's going towards, not just on a spending basis, which is important to support companies and businesses that have the same values as us, but from an investing standpoint as well. So being aware of, yes, if it's woman-owned, if it's a Black-owned business, or I want to support a business that maybe is publicly traded that is 
either owned by the, someone of the LGBTQ plus community or is a large ally, I want to make sure that that's who I'm investing in. I think that is really important. Is there any specific, like on the retirement end of things, um, that's something that people are always looking at, is, are there any, I guess, specific challenges there or, or, or different things that you work with in that community? So within the community, I think it's crucial to be aware of how beneficiaries are assigned and named because that will supersede whatever you write in a will. If your beneficiary says it's one person and that wasn't updated, even though your will may state your current partner. Oh, wow, okay. Being very, very intentional about that and knowing like if something happens to me, this is who I want to have the money. I wanted to go to my partner and altering those, especially if these aren't around as much anymore, but making sure that things like that are changed with pensions as well. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. You don't hear yeah. about that as much anymore. People yeah, aren't around them. as much anymore, but <laughs> they're still there. Wow. Making sure that all those beneficiary arrangements are really set up to benefit who you want to benefit if it's not going to benefit you. And so we had talked in the beginning about that pay gap, um, about that feeling that uh, if I go to like a wealth planner, like I'm not this multi-million dollar person, how affordable is it to get services like what you're offering? It's really not that expensive to work with, work with a planner. And not every planner out there is a fee-based planner. I, my practice is intentionally set up that way because we do offer unique aspect and a lot of very in-depth planning by looking into many, many different areas that traditional advisors may not. But price point wise, we're not talking anything very large. It's really just a matter of um, to have people to know that I'm investing in this. I'm, in, I'm more accountable for my time. I'm more present with my time. They have more of an active role in what they're doing with the advisor. And how long of a process is this? Is this something where they just come and sit down with you on a Saturday or a Friday or like, or it, what is this like an ongoing thing? How does this work? I believe that financial planning should be an ongoing relationship. So that is an incredible point, Kim, because when you're talking to and interviewing an advisor, I think it's really smart to take the perspective of I'm here to build a relationship with the person. This is I love the way that they think about financial planning. I like their philosophies on advising. I like their philosophies on wealth management. I like their philosophy on insurance and risk management planning, because this is somebody you're building a relationship with. And if you're currently working with someone who's a lead advisor in a practice, knowing that if y'all are about the same age, or if you're even older, or if you're younger than this advisor, what their, what their values are and what their methodology is, is what they're going to teach to the team of younger advisors that you may one day be working with. So look at this as a 30, 40, 50 year relationship, because you, you want that. You don't want to have to retell your story every time. You don't want to have to go through and move. It's expensive to move money. It's sometimes maybe the best thing, but trying to keep assets where they are, keep them managed with somebody that is vested in you. So if you're vested in them, they're going to be they're going to be vested in you for the long term. I mean, I've had some clients my entire career, so over a decade and a half now that I've been working with, and it just becomes easier and easier over time that we're not having to like rebuild an entire plan. Now we're continuing to add to, we're continuing to stress test the plan, we're continuing to fine tune it, and because life just happens and changes regardless, 
having something that can be stable, which is the management of your money and something that is an important asset is incredibly crucial. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. Is there something that I didn't ask about or something that like some parting words <laughs> that you would like to share? So as parting words, I just really encourage everybody to take the time to meet with an advisor, to talk to somebody about planning. For most financial planners and advisors, state lines are not a limit. Most people are able to work across like from a national practice. I know we have a national practice, but a lot of other advisors are. So if you find someone that you're comfortable with, but they live in a different area, that's okay. If you know somebody that they're working with an advisor that they love and you really want to know them, see if they can work with you, even if you're not in the same area, don't let that be a limit. But really giving yourself the opportunity to dive into who you are, to be open with who you are, to be authentic with with your money, with your spending, with what you want to see for the future is one, incredibly cathartic, but then it's going to make just a world of difference for your mindset when it comes to money, your relationship when it comes to money, and just what your entire wealth building can be for you and give you a better opportunity to create generational wealth. I think this is a time where everybody's looking for just some sort of feeling of stable footing. Um, and, I, I you know, and if, if this is, and this is a good way to, to get that. Um, so how would people reach out to you if they're, if they're hearing stuff that they think, okay, this sounds, this sounds good. I might want to try this. Um, how, how do they reach out to you, Becky? Um, well, I would say it's direct contact. No, well, you can look me up. Becky Gustafson, I will spell my last name. It's e U, S is in Sam, T is in Tom, A, F is in Frank, S is in Sam, O N. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly, my email address is Becky.gustafson at NM. That's N is in Nancy, M is in Mike.com. Easiest way to reach me. Okay. Perfect. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time and happy Pride Month. And, happy Pride Month. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. No, this is great. I really appreciate it. So some good advice for going forward, something to put on your to-do list for this summer. Uh, start to get your, your planning in order, um, along with, I guess, getting your body in order. <laughs> That's what it feels like after the pandemic to me, You're trying to put on a swimsuit right now, but, <laughs> but just trying to get all of the things together. And, um, and, and Becky can definitely help with that. So I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at BizNewOrleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.